Hello and welcome to another episode of Trash or Treasure, where Kim and Amy give you a spoiler-free recap and review or recommendation of your next romantic read. But it might not be a recommendation. No, no. Taking some of the guesswork out of choosing your next book. So this week we are looking kind of at one specific book, but also kind of more so at an author. Mm. An author that I kind of in my head still see as my introduction to the romance novel genre, right? Mm. In terms of a specific author rather than just your Mills and Boone. We are looking this week at Kathleen E. Woodwiss. And specifically today we are going to look at one of her really popular, one of her most famous novels, Ashes in the Wind. Without further ado, as it is more of a thing from my past than Amy's past, I am going to give us the spoiler-free recap. Ashes in the Wind is set during the American Civil War. Correct. And it is a sweeping narrative, as in it goes over a really long period of time. It might cover like 10, 15 years. It's in the style of the length and melodrama of Gone with the Wind. A hundred percent. Yes. Half a lifetime. Half a lifetime, blah, blah, blah. And it's funny because I read this book when I was a teenager and I have read it a couple of times since through my life. It was one of the first romance novels you recommended for me. Yeah, absolutely. And so in my head, I it's almost serialized in my head because it is mm. such a sweeping narrative. There's like the section of the book where she's working in the hospital. Then there's the section of the book where she has to try and escape the deep south. And then there's the section of the book where... She goes and marries him, and then there's a section. So it's this crazy kind of narrative, right? That is super melodramatic. Isn't that a spoiler? Not really. It's so it's it's a romance novel. Hey, guess what, everyone? She marries him. (gasps) Oh my god! Here's what happens. Okay. Um, Because it is a sweeping narrative, though. Last disclaimer before I give you my spoiler-free-ish recap. I'm going to, like, hardcore not do the plot justice. Sweeping statement. Cole Latimer is a Yankee doctor and Elena McGraw or something like that. She's got, like, a look mm, sound. irish Yeah, Irish. she's an Irish heritage person, is from the Deep South. She's a Southern yeah. Belle. So Yankee means she's from the North. He's from the North. Yes. She's from the South. Yes. Classic division. Yeah. Romeo and Juliet, opposite sides of the war, blah, blah. At the very start, Elena is on the run. Because dun, dun, dun. everyone in her at her plantation or whatever was killed. So the one thing she had done was cut off all her hair. It's a really big deal. And had traveled to some relatives of hers who lived in, I want to say New Orleans, but I don't know if that's We're true. We're all still in the South. Yes. And when she gets there, it is occupied by the Yankees. So she ends up having to go and work at a hospital. And she works for a Yankee doctor called... Cole Latimer. And in order to go undetected, she dirties herself up and musses up her hair and pretends she is Al, a young scruffy boy who is a relative of the people, the quite well-to-do New Orleans family that she's staying She's so beautiful. Mm, So she has to put dirt and stuff, like she has to be quite filthy all the time. And Cole spends the whole first bit of it being like, I'm going to give you a bath one day. I'll throw you in a thing of water. And he, Cole really, really likes Al and takes him under his wing and blah, blah, blah. Then that storyline kind of goes, goes, goes. She kind of falls in love with him and he kind of has weird feelings for the young boy Al. (laughs) And... 
And she has a cousin, Roberta, who is buxom and brash and kind of a manipulative mole. And not disguised as Robert. And not disguised <laughs> as Robert at this time. So Roberta really wants Cole Latimer because he's so attractive. And even though he's a Yankee, they're like, the Yankees are probably going to win. Like, she's that kind of person where she's going to throw her lot in with the, you know, person she thinks is going to succeed the most. At this point, it's also important Elena has no family. All of her family were killed in the war. Her brother served in the war and was gone and reported it's missing slash dead and ruddy ruddy Exactly. Has. Anyway, so then plot transpires and Cole thinks he had sex with Roberta. I'm, I'm being very silent. And it was the so greatest far. sex he'd ever had. That was important because he married her. He was like, well, I've deflowered her, so I should marry her. So he marries Roberta. He goes off having married her. At the same time, Elena's cover is kind of, not kind of blown. She ends up swapping and is no longer Al and then goes into hiding as a spinster, the niece of some lady in town. And so then she's that person's niece for a bit. And Cole meets her in that capacity. And then the war kind of comes, It would no, the war doesn't come to an end yet. And then at one point she meets up with Cole. So they're separated for a long time. And then she meets up with him. He's not sure who she is, but she's like... Very familiar. Well, yeah, I can't remember how they get around that. No, that's how they get around it. He has yellow fever. And so he's in and out delirious. of it and sick and delirious. That's how they get around it. Yellow fever. And then eventually the war ends and they sort out, like, the part where she was a wanted woman and it turns out she was just heroic and delightful. So she's no longer a wanted woman. Roberta Phew. dies because they've been married. So Roberta dies. And then... Cole and Elena finally get married and he spends the whole time being like, where's happy fun Al? Because she's like such a grump now. (laughs) He's such an asshole. What follows then is a mystery about some kind of haunting slash weird thing is happening at the house um, between like, and Elena feels like she's being haunted by the ghost of Roberta, but is she? But are there pirates? And... It's a whole thing. This is a I don't hot know, mess. I don't know this that this synopsis is a hot mess. It's not my fault. This is the book. Are you sure there are pirates? Or yes. Like, in a different no. In this book? That's how it ends. There are pirates. Oh, my God. I don't um, remember the pirates. Seriously, at the end of the book, there is this whole other mystery that she has to solve before they can live happily ever after. And um, it's that's why in my head this book is a series of shorter books that that just follow the same couple until they – get married and uh, and well not get married but find happiness at the end and it takes like a long time for them to get there that's the synopsis it's kind of batshit crazy am i allowed to say that it is can i take over now please if, i feel like everyone's sick of hearing my voice if you were to so i think it's important to note that kathleen Wood was was a major like she, the bulk of her work was in the 70s 100 percent. and so if she'd written this now i actually think it would have been a series of about four books agreed because there's a lot. So much. That's my through. point. So much plot. When I was like, I'm going to do the best I can here. I think it's you a did lot a great job. Plot. It's Thank a lot you. of plot. I feel like I needed to have a drink between each of the plot sections. Yeah. Hey, Amy. Yes, Kimberly. Would you recommend Ashes in the Wind by Kathleen Woodwiss? I know it probably makes you sad when I say this, but no. And I re- thinking fair. back I to mind. the, I've only read it once and I found it hard going. Because it was, it's really dense. So dense. It's so dense. And other problem I had with it is, like, she, I remember her being sort of fun and I liked that she had a little bit of spunk to her. She did and she had independence. She was, she wasn't a, oh, I just want to get married type heroine. She actually had a bit. and, And I did like that, but I 
remember that, and this is something that I encountered in that other Wolf and the Dove. Was that the, the Wolf and the Dove? We the haven't Anglo-Saxon reviewed that. One. We haven't spoken about the Wolf and the Dove. It's another woodwist. It's another woodwist. Let's come back to it and circle back around. Okay. But I will say it's a very problematic woodwist, which I will talk about in a minute. But go. But I find that the coal in this book was an example of it. I don't like the heroes. Because they're super patronising. They're patronising. <laughs> I find them quite aggressive. Yep. And they're sort of manly. like they're uncompromising. Yep. Like the change seems to be very much from like just over time he wears her down. Yep. That's That's sort of how it feels to me. So I yep. don't really – I don't enjoy the characters and I actually sort of don't want – them to end up together. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you can do better, Elena. Go, Go get on a ship else. and move yeah, to yeah. Australia and have adventures. But the other problem with, and your synopsis, I didn't remember the pirates. But there are totally pirates at the end of this book. Is Spoiler. that this book has every single cliche of romantic melodrama. Sure does. As a plot point. Mm-hmm. And... While that can sometimes work in books, if it's handled well. I'm struggling to think of, an, of a case where it does work in a way that isn't completely fast. But That's what on. I mean. Yeah. It has to be handled as fast or it has to be like a gothic novel written in the 1700s. Yeah. Where it's so, so, so heightened. But there were there's moments where it's just like... Pick one. Pick one of the. Uh, it's exhausting. And go with it. You go, what it oh, is, is what? Exhausting. Now we have pirates. Yeah. Oh, what? Oh, now we have a secret passage. Oh, I will what? say, I will say she, I will say they don't happen concurrently. No. And I will say that's a saving grace. But that's but, why in my head what it actually needed to be was several books because you really get exhausted. It's so, so long. Oh, my God. And then it, so there's long. another component of yeah. a plot and it has. And you then, know, but all the plots get resolved. The only, another- the only hangover plot is the her and Cole getting together, which takes forever. But all these things happen between. That, but I don't think yeah. all the plots are necessary, particularly oh, no. because they draw so heavily on like the you pirates know, aren't necessary. Plot points. Why are there pirates? Cliches. Yes. So I would not recommend Ashes in the Wind because it's too exhausting a read. That's fair. For little reward given the character of the hero. Fair. That's a very concise uh, summary of your feelings. Okay. Well done. I want to come back to actual Kathleen, Kathleen yes. Wilbur's herself, but you talk about Ashes in the Wind now. Okay. Would you recommend it now? So you recommended it to me 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. As a, like, I think first you made me read Job for Jack or some Mills and Boone yeah. novels. And separate then you cabins. Went, separate Love cabins. Me separate cabins. If we can find it, yeah. we'll review it. yeah. And then you were like, try Kathleen Woodwist now, and that was what was on your shelf. Yeah. And so it was one of the really early ones I've read. So you recommended it to me then. Would you recommend it now? Probably not to you. Okay. Uh, But I am very good at recommendations. So (laughs) insofar as I – Swollen hit much? Well, I'm the only person your husband will accept recommendations it's from. It's very true. Insofar as I don't make sw- – I very rarely will make a sweeping recommendation. Some t- there are some things that don't suit some people. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, no, given it now, knowing you, I wouldn't recommend it. There are parts of this book, like, but I don't dislike this book now. Does that make sense? There are some Kathleen Woodwiss that – 
when I look back on them and or try to reread them, <laughs> I'm like, wow. I, the wolf and the dove. The wolf and the dove. I'm like, wow, I'm so glad that I was able to grow up into a level-headed, independent, uh, like fairly emotionally stable woman given that I read this in my formative years and thought it was a good book. Yeah. Uh, so – what I like about Ashes in the Wind, this is what I'm, this is how I'll structure it. What I like about it is I, I actually enjoy the crazy sweeping narrative. It's a, to me, I just assume it's farcical and ridiculous and silly. I like, what I do like is that she, like, I think Cole is, and I think I actually do like his character and I think his character does grow over the course of the book because he, what he starts as is really black and white. You must fit this mold. This is my expectations of you. Therefore you must meet those expectations because I am a man and you're a woman. And she, mm. and she just doesn't, she never does. She's, um, even when they're married, one of the scenes that I vividly remember and really like is he sort of goes, that thing, like, where's fun-loving Al? Where is Al? And he still calls her Al, and she loses it. And she's like, I don't want you to call me that anymore. My name is Elena. Al was a character I created because people from your side of a war that we were in were trying to kill me. I don't want to remember it. Every day I got up and smooshed dirt all over my yeah. body, and it was well, disgusting. Well, that was a horrible time for she me. she has fire and yes. And so she doesn't give in. So... What they and, and as much as I kind of go, why do we have pirates? There are so many times in this book where I'm like, why, why is this plot point still happening? Or why is this why are we introducing a whole new component now? But then I kind of give it when I give it its benefit of the doubt and I think about who they are as people and the world they were existing in, it actually would have been much more complicated and required much more experience and things to happen to them and for them to get through together and navigate together for them to actually be happy together. Yeah, it's why okay. I don't buy, like, I never buy those. I think, like, it's why I think Pride and Prejudice actually does need a sequel because the part where at the end she's like, I was being prejudiced and he's like, I was being prideful. Let's just be together forever. Wow, what an oversimplification not, of Pride and Prejudice. But it's not how that would have ended. Their happiness would have lasted literally until he was done having sex with her. And then he would have been. Yeah, and then and he that's would have. Why? So you would have heard our, you know, previous episode on Colleen McCulloch's. Yeah, the Independence of Miss Mary. Yes, but that's why it deals with that and it works well. And I yeah. think it needs that sequel. I think Ashes in the Wind gets out ahead of that in that it actually needs that many things to happen for me to buy that he's grown enough to accept her as she is. She's grown enough to overcome the trauma of what she went through in the war and to feel like he trusts her and accepts her for who she is so then she can be herself. She also has to refine herself because yeah. as much as I as much as we joke about the many disguises of this chick, she also has not been herself for five years, six years. And that all makes sense. And but it just spread it across like shape it across separate stories. It's just overwhelming. Oh, 100%. It's, I'm not denying that at all. And, and I have to read it in, like, little chunks. And there are some chunks that I, when I reread the book, I pick the ones that I really like. I like her as Al. I don't like that one as much. Ugh. When he has yellow fever, it's just boring. Or he might not. He might have an injury. I can't remember. But that's on reread. So you'd say if you read it first, for Kimberly recommends it. If you read it and you're like, okay, there was some promise in this, do a reread and skip the bits that you thought and you'll create a much more concise, A con- more concise and more book. entertaining novel, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I, I guess my point is I do like it. 
I do recommend it. I recommend it with those caveats of it's long. Mm. But the other caveat that I put on it, and this is the next thing that we want to talk about, the other caveat is Kathleen Woodwiss, upon reread with a modern and more modern kind of gaze or lens on it, I was shocked at just the level of, like, hardcore blatant racism. (laughs) So there's just so much racism and so much misogyny in these books Mm. that that is the part that makes me go, Ashes in the Wind is, I would say, from, from that perspective, the best of her books. It's even though it's the Civil War, which yeah. obviously was very about slavery and all of that kind of stuff, it doesn't, it just kind of doesn't really deal with race. She is a strong female character, aside, opposed to his strong male character. And I do think that they find a compromise and a thing that works for both of them, for both of them to be genuinely happy. And I like that it continues past their marriage because marriage would not have solved their problems and made them happy. Yes. They needed to work out what their lives were going to look like. And their lives ended up looking like a team effort. Like we are a team together. And that's really important to you in novel resolution. But see, that's what bothered me about so the first one you actually recommended to me was Wolf and the Dove. The Wolf and the Dove I would not Which, recommend now. And, it's horrendous. And I read that first. Yeah. And I – so then I went into Ashes in the Wind. Yeah, with that. Really yeah. sceptical. The Wolf and the Dove is set in, like, Anglo-Saxon era Britain, and it's essentially a Stockholm Syndrome story. So the wolf it's, guy it's he pretty much most rapes her, her into submitting to mm-hmm. needing him. And it's sort of awful. No, it is awful. It's, it's straight up awful. He, like, takes over her town and she was the chieftain's daughter and then there's this whole big rape plot for ages and then it turns out that they love each other and then they get married. She gets raped by this Everyone? other guy and then the other guy is his rival and then they don't know who her baby, who who is the father of her and baby. And then the wolf is like... It's terrible. It's, and that sort of has made me not be someone who really wants to go back and engage with Kathleen Woodwist. Totally Besides fair. the epic nature of the books, which I don't like because what I want in a romance novel is something fix. that's digestible on a yeah. Sunday afternoon. Yeah. I can get through it in three to four hours, well, one and a half to four hours, depending on, yeah. you know, whether it's novella or not. I don't get that from Kathleen Woodwist. God, and I, I get a lot of problematic constructions yeah. of masculinity that I don't like and I find creepy and disturbing and I also get a lot of problematic attitudes from it so I don't find and that's- I got two I got barely a chapter into come love a stranger which I now own on my Kobo because you purchased it yeah, to get sorry. one chapter that's because into the none of the libraries stock her books maybe for a reason probably because she's kind of misogynistic and kind of a racist anyway <laughs> so Sorry, Kathleen Woodwiss. feel bad speaking ill of the dead, and I don't mean it like that. She was of an era, I suppose. Mm. Yes, I tried to read Come Love a Stranger, and I was – it was horrendous. I actually I think do Come Love all. a Stranger – no, can you give me mine? Mm. – is is one of her more recent efforts. No, it actually. is. It was her most recent book. I think it was the last – 2002 or something? Yeah, she died it was in one of the last books she wrote before she died, I think. And isn't that interesting – that even though it was recent, because we talked about whether it had to be you, we did in a previous episode, yes. if that was written today, would it have been different? Or if we had read it when it was written mm. in the early 90s, would we have a different experience of it? But isn't it interesting that Kathleen Woodwiss wrote almost the same type of, like you use some of the things that we found so problematic in her earlier novels in mm. her most recent novel? 
Though I would also say this, and this is kind of really important. I get where you're coming from. Do you also think, and this is kind of, we've talked about this before in regards to the Netflix Bridgerton series, and even The Crown to an extent does it as well, that she's writing about, like all of these books are set in either Civil War era or around then, and the book set in Anglo-Saxony, whatever, what she's writing is historically accurate. That's what I'm saying. So we don't like it and we don't want to read it. And it is by its very nature romanticizing those things because it's a so romance novel. So then it's novel. not historically accurate if it's romanticizing particular components of the past. Well, I because, because it's not saying. because it's not it's it is it is accurately representing the past in that sense, but it is just ignoring or choosing to not deal with the parts of that that are creepy. And so when we read something like Come Love a Stranger and he is kind of derisive about all the women around him and treats the help like their help and and it uses slang language from the era that is slang language that was used at the time, but it's highly uh, derogatory you know, racist language. I think the question is how is it dealt with because it's still being written by a contemporary author. You yeah. can construct a character like that, but the way that you deal with that as a contemporary author through your characters shouldn't perpetuate things that are unhealthy. So, But it also shouldn't. Just by saying, it I also think historically accurate. Yeah, no, I completely yeah. agree. I think the way we are dealing with it sometimes is to write, is to set things in those historical times but to write them like, oh, well, this is a story about a slave, but the slave's going to fight and then he survives and gets out because Oh, we talked blah, blah, about blah. this when I was talking about yes. Netflix's Hollywood and how it, it, it goes. It does a reimagined history that doesn't yeah. acknowledge or the, fact the, that the struggles. The, I think it's a complicated time to set your novel because you either have to commit to somehow dealing with the – massive social issues that existed at the time but in a way to do that in, that is authentic isn't kind of a a romanticizing or a whitewashing of it do you know what i mean like i i do know what you mean i think it's so about as an as an author potentially picking the topic of your story so that it gives you opportunities to address those those components so doing creating a moment for your character where they have realizations Yes, because as the reader, and they can we be are, an informed person within a world that is not in, informed. Yeah, so in you know, come love a stranger, which you know you only got one page into. I was it. about to say he might have had a realization. I just was not prepared to go on that journey with him. One would expect for someone writing that in a contemporary space that he goes on a journey and realizes that just because it's the status quo isn't necessarily the right thing if it's causing people to be in just discriminated or unequal positions that would be my expectation about it yeah I, which then kind of makes me go well then maybe don't set your romance novel then do you know what i so mean if you, you don't, don't want to set- do if you don't want to do that because it's just a romance novel and you want to be like it's just a romance novel pick a different era do something but aren't all different. eras problematic yes so I basically set your romance novel in the future where you can define what that landscape looks like what are we saying here tread carefully or we just think that there's an issue with 
writing in a contemporary space and trying to treat the past really, really accurately. I think, yeah, trying to treat the past authentically, but in a way, you're right, that doesn't then romanticize or excuse or ignore discrimination or oppression. I guess my concern is that you read it and go, oh, well, fair enough. I think I don't mind the idea that I read something and go, Yuck. This is so icky. This makes me talk about it and think about it and makes me grateful for how far we've come or makes me draw comparisons and go, partly this still exists and that's crap or whatever. I almost think that's, that's, I don't mind that as it is from my perspective because as a critical reader and a critical person, I tend to do that anyway. But not everyone is. That's my point. So so that's the danger. So the danger for me isn't isn't really dealing with it or not dealing with it or whatever. The danger for me is when you, like, for example, in It Had to Be You, is that the main character, inside the main character's head, she was perpetuating and buying in to what I felt like was a really toxic representation of women and expectations around women and blah, blah, blah. And if that's all you read... Yes. What is the influence that that then has That's on right. your perceptions and understandings of Gender how to treat and, others? Yep. I get quite uncomfortable when, particularly because Kathleen Woodwears is such a successful romance novelist and she's considered the first bodice ripper, like the first person to popularise that yeah. in contemporary romance. Yeah. The, the influence someone can wield concerns you me. You think there's a responsibility there. I think that there is a moral and ethical responsibility when you have influence to try and like you've got she's got her readers for hours and hours and hours it's complicated and long to summarize it is yeah because it's long like someone read a kathleen woodwiss weigh in for us because clearly you can hear that we're quite divided i wouldn't recommend them i don't enjoy i would not recommend any other i want this to be very clear i would recommend with all the caveats listed that if you want to dive in and have a look at this kind of thing that ashes in the wind is not a bad romp but caution against all others i would not read i and i haven't reread wolf and the dove in a thousand years now and anytime i try to pick up a kathleen woodwiss i'm like holy dooly okay are we wrapping up now yes oh my goodness yes and this okay. i feel like this is a hot mess thank you that's all we have time for sorry this has been such a long one <laughs> if you're still with us through our ramblings well done and you're clearly quite a committed listener and we thank you very very much so join us next time where we will offer you more spoiler free recommendations or not for books oh we haven't done is it trash or treasure oh it's trash (laughs) trash I thought it was sort of clear yeah that's true I would probably also I can I treasure it for nostalgic reasons but not like I'm not throwing away the physical copy of the book that I own yeah but If I had a daughter, I wouldn't really be giving it to her to read. Yes, and neither would you to your sons. No, it's true. Join us next time on more Trash or Treasure. Until then, happy reading! See you later. And just a quick reminder here at the end of the podcast that we would love to hear from you. We want your recommendations. The good, the bad, the interesting, doesn't matter. Please reach out. Send us an email at trashortreasurepodcast at outlook.com. Or we are also available at the world's most awkward Twitter handle, which Amy has to tell you about. Listen to our Twitter handle. It's the greatest. It's at or underscore treasure. Doesn't that just roll off the tongue? (laughs) And with those encouraging words, tweet or email us. We love to hear from you. Happy reading. Cheers.